What a great worship set this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're making our way through Ecclesiastes this summer. And we've been learning a lot of things from this great, brilliant mind, the guy named Solomon. And uh, he had a lot to say to us. And it's so relevant to the age in which we live. And I was just thinking about the things that we've covered thus far. You can go back online if you want to and catch up. But kind of a recap. Chapter 1, key verse would probably be verse 14. And he talks about under the sun, that horizontal perspective. If we exclude God, everything is utterly utterly meaningless it's vanity among vanities and you you read ecclesiastes and you almost go you feel like today you know how it's kind of depressing out there and raining and you know kind of dreary that's what it feels like reading parts of ecclesiastes until you read it in the full context chapter 2 verse 25 god gives you what you can't get anywhere else basically just goes hey the ultimate source is god you, you can go and you can purchase and you can have all the goods. And as it says, what fills you up? You can get filled up with the goods of this world. And it'll, it'll give you some temporary pleasure and satisfaction. I'll give you that. But it won't last. And then chapter 3, verse 11 is kind of a key verse. He says, just enjoy the beauty of the moment. Everything's beautiful in God's eyes, in God's time, in the seasons of life. Remember, we, we took that apart last weekend about life it's full of seasons, and I don't know what season, fall, winter, spring, or summer you're in, but you're in a season, and you won't stay there. Don't get stuck. You'll move to another season, and thank God you won't have to stay there forever, and it'll move to another season just the way the natural world does. And then we come to chapter 4, and I just want you to look down there with me as we see this writer from of Solomon as he just begins to talk to us. But I really, today, I'm going to focus in on verses 7 through 12. And we'll read those in a few moments, but I'm just thinking about what it says that um, I think the big thought today is going to talk to us about authenticity and relationships and about being lonely. I talk about that sometimes when we come toward uh, getting ready to start small groups. They'll launch out next month and we'll start doing a lot of life together inside the church on Wednesday night, in homes, neighborhoods, wherever. And I was thinking about that this book of Ecclesiastes is so raw. Sometimes it's so raw that it's uncomfortable. And it's like in here, you can have a room full of people that have gathered, hopefully to worship him. And yet you can be sitting by a friend or friends, and you can still feel all alone. Hadn't you all been there? You're you're, you're in a crowd of people. You're in a small group. You're in a home. You're in a place of business, in work, in church, in school. And you don't think anybody notices you. You think you're maybe invisible. It's just tough. But there's more possibilities, I think, that God's Word would teach us. We live in the day and age of social media, but I would submit to you this morning, as much as I like some of the aspects of how we can get the Word out, we got the Word out of God's Not Dead. We had an amazing full house the other night. So there's a lot of good things. But I think if you're trying to just find life through social media, you're going to find yourself empty. You're going to find yourself wanting, lacking, wanting more. And, and I think what happens is uh, sometimes we, we build up, we erect a, a wall of fear. We're, we're scared to get close to somebody. We're scared they might know us. We're scared they might move. Uh, let me just tell you military that are here today. It's kind of the DNA of Christ's community. We've been a church that is full of possibilities and hope and people and people come and go and move. So we literally this morning, people will worship from here to Italy with us live stream. 
Many of them military and different things. So here's what I always try to tell our people. Get close to our military that come. And the church said, they're here for a season. And let's embrace the season. And I, and I just want to, I know you're here today. You're going, what? You, you like coach them? No, I don't coach them. We just try to model it together. We're just glad you're here. We're just glad we can do life together. I, I have friends all over the country that text and email me all the time because they've come through here and they did life with you. And they're grateful. Um, but sometimes it's just easy to be alone. And in this chapter, he will talk about why there's a need to be in relationship with God and with other people. And uh, sometimes it's just, uh, in the world we live now, it's easy just to get on the video games or you know, get on the net or just do whatever, and you're just doing this or that. And you're just not really, uh, you know, instead of going out and playing sports or whatever, you'll just sit home in front of a screen. You got your iPad, man. Everything's good. And I'd say there's a time you just need to sit it down. And moms are going, oh, I love that, Pastor. Say it again. We say it again. And some of you go, well, Pastor, Pastor, you don't know me. I got 500 friends on Facebook. And somebody you say, well, I got 1,500. I got 5,000. I'd go, glory. I don't care. How many of them really, really, really care about you? They said they're my friend. They lied. Now, some of them are. I get friend requests every day. I get friend requests from people. I don't have a clue who they are. When Facebook first came out, I friended people I didn't know. Awkward. Got this message back one day. Who are you? <laughs> I went, pay attention, Keith. Quit befriending people. Befriend the ones you know. And still, so much of that is superficial. It's just what it is. It's painful. It's harmful. I learned this from some research this week that we're a generation that lacks social interaction. I already knew that. And it says when we decide to do life alone, it can be more harmful than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. I thought that was interesting. It can also cause us to have sleep disorders, depression, dementia. Basically, when we have been made to live in relationship with Almighty God and each other. And we choose to forego relationships the way the Father intended, it's harmful to our soul. How many believe that this morning? You know, you're sick. You're in the hospital. My Facebook friends are going to show up. Oh, boy, was it that comforting. I bet they brought you something to eat. I bet they prayed over you. I bet they did a lot. No, I'm not trying to pick on social media. I'm just saying there's a place for relationships. And I think the church should be that. Here, here's what I, I just write in the margin. Loneliness pervades the culture that you and I live in. We've never been, here comes the rain, we've never been more connected socially than ever before on planet Earth. But I would say that we've never been more lonely on planet Earth because people just wall off rather quickly and they go into their own world. Loneliness is primarily a spiritual problem. It begins with feeling disconnected with God. One of our values is, is connection. And we talk around here a lot, connect with God, connect with other people. It's so critical and, and yet, there is a time for solitude. I, I, I agree with you on that. But there's something about so many times when we're with others, we get re-energized. We, we find life. We find strength. We find joy. And where did loneliness begin? It really began in the garden. It began when there was rebellion against holy God. Fellowship was broken. Loneliness began there, and it's fascinating. And where does the feeling of loneliness originate in you? You, love a lo you lose a loved one, you feel lonely. You've undergone a divorce, you feel alone. You feel condemned by God by, by the behavior that you're living in, you feel alone. You feel unworthy, you feel unwanted, you feel alone. 
You have nobody to share your life with, your dreams, your expectations, your fears. You feel alone. What are the consequences? They're, they're many. They're moral. They're, they're physical. They're spiritual. They're all over the page. And what does loneliness do? Here's what I've learned in 32 years of being a pastor. Loneliness drives people to risky behavior sometimes. They lose hope. Ultimately, I've seen people have committed suicide because they might seem to be the life of the party or they might seem to have relationships, but they're really alone. I think loneliness drive, drives people to have affairs. Yes, I said affairs. People have, get in other people's beds. They have no place being. It, I think people that are lonely, they, they try to find diversion and alcohol, drugs, whatever it is. So, I mean, right now in our country, it's just amazing, the whole marijuana thing, and this state's legal and this state's not, and hey, let's have this new recreational drug. i got to tell you, church, I'm concerned about that. How about you, church? I just don't usually think, well, hey, man, the guy ran over my car, but he was happy, and he was having a munchie. Yeah, whatever, okay? I understand, didn't do drugs, did the alcohol scene, radically got saved at 19, but I did have a lot of friends that did a lot of drugs, and, and I could tell you stories, but they won't give much glory to Jesus, okay? I'm just saying, we find diversion, we get away from this loneliness. But I want to give you a passage, I want to, I'm going to get back to Ecclesiastes 4, but I want you to see something in study. I want you to turn to John 16, 32. John 16, 32. Found this amazing. Loneliness. I read about somebody that knows about loneliness. His name is Jesus. It's a great one to learn from loneliness. Creator, redeemer, lonely. Look at 1632. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when you will be scattered, each one going its own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. Now there it is, Jesus Christ. He's left there in the garden alone. He's got guys, disciples that are there to encourage, to stand with him, to pray for him, to love him. And we know the story, they go to sleep. But the, the season of loneliness in the heart of Jesus, I cannot imagine the suffering of loneliness was paid for you and me in the garden. Write that down. The suffering of loneliness was paid for us, I think, in the garden. Prior to Calvary, to the cross, I think loneliness was understood that's why christ can empathize with me and you this morning when you're lonely because he was abandoned in the garden a lot of times we don't think about jesus being alone we just think man when jesus showed up masses and multitudes followed they did we read about those in the gospels but we read in this gospel right before the cross he just gets alone matter of fact i want to give you an alternative verse and i'll get back to ecclesiastes second timothy 4 16 at my first offense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. There he was to articulate, to, to proclaim the gospel, and he felt all alone. Nero was in leadership. He was in power. Christians were being persecuted. In those days when Christians were being persecuted, not like today, that we go on television or we go on the web and we bash and we persecute. That's persecution 2014. I understand that. Persecution, first century Christian, totally different. They would basically, common practice, kill an animal, take the skin off the animal, wrap it around the Christian believer that articulated their faith, and then dump them into the arena of the lines for their life. 
they lost their life for the gospel. I think they felt pretty alone. Just a tough world. Let's go back. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I promise, verse 7. In 4, 7, it talks about us bearing some responsibility, but I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is a case of a man who is all alone without a child or a brother, yet he works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless. It's depressing. That's what it says there. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to look at the message it's going to come up on the, tra- on the screen here. Now look at this from Eugene Peterson. He goes, I've turned my head and I saw yet another whiff of smoke on its way to nothingness. A solitary person, completely alone, no children, no family, no friends, yet working obsessively late into the night, compulsively greedy for more and more, never bothering to ask the question, why am I working like a dog? Never having any fun. And who cares? More smoke. A bad business. Can anybody identify with this section of Scripture? Just raise your hand. Yeah. I talk to people that all the time. They're like, man, I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm running. I'm going. I'm going busy. If I had a dollar for every time somebody walks up to me and says, I am so busy, our church would have no debt. Hallelujah. So next time, every time you say the word busy, drop a dollar in the offering plate. You could just bring a bunch of them because you're so busy all through the week. Now, I know what would happen. You'd quit saying the word busy. You'd find another one. You'd go, I'm irritated. I'm frustrated. You wouldn't say busy. But his busyness, this busyness contributes to disconnectedness. You and I, when we're so busy, we get disconnected in the fullness of our relationship with the Father. Do you agree with that? I do. Busyness drives me from having as good devotions as I do on other days. Busyness drives me from having all the prayer that I want. I'm a real prayer warrior, and I intercede a lot, and I pray. But busyness keeps me from doing the things that I need to be doing. It keeps you from. So he never asks. He's, he's just obsessed with work. He's alone. He's lonely. In Ecclesiastes, you, you just see this verse, and you, and you look at it by yourself. You go, like, who does he have? He's all alone. And we have an expression we use at Christ Community. Just write it on your worship guide. Doing life together. I started using that over a decade, 15 years ago. I don't know, maybe 18 years ago. And I think it's the the possibility and the hope and the call of the church of the living Christ to do life together in Jesus' name. That's the church. It's not to be separatist. It's not to be alone. It's to be in community. And community is our middle name. Did you think about that? Christ, community, church. I'm just trying to set you up for what's coming in August for life groups and small group life together, doing life. But you know what happens? Fear just crouching at the door. And you're thinking, you're almost convinced that maybe this year you'll try doing life with other people. But there's fear that they will know me and they might not like me. And there's fear that you might get found out and you might. But it might be the greatest year to freedom and joy in your soul. How many want to have, be free this year in Jesus Christ? If you do, I invite you to be a part of our community. Some of you are like, well, I'm not convinced yet. We'll just continue to read Ecclesiastes. I think he'd just say these words. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That's what the angel says. That's what we're reading scripture. Have no fear. Don't be afraid. Can I tell you something? Can I get real raw? Okay. 
That's not rhetorical. I just want to ask you, can I tell you something real raw? Yeah, okay. Uh, on this stage, it's very lonely. Uh, I love it. I love to teach God's Word. It's a passion of my soul. But it's, it's very lonely up here. And leadership, you that are in leadership, you that are in uh, ACSC training to be even more effective leaders, let me give you a principle. Leadership will be lonely. Being a pastor is one of the loneliest jobs I know of. You're saying, well, how? You're, you speak to hundreds of people. You love God. You love people. Yeah, but you don't know how much time I spend alone, how much time I spend on my knees, how much time I spend inter, you know, being, will people accept me? I mean, people judge me. Like, how would you like, how would you like to go to your work tomorrow? And at lunch, the next day, everybody judged everything you did. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? How many would sign up for that? That's why I know I'm called to do this, because sometimes I think, man, this is, this is a lonely job. I, isolation was the very first thing God recognized as not good. You know how I know that? Genesis 2.18. Write it down. Genesis 2.18. Our God in heaven said isolation loneliness is not good. And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him, a helpmeet. Now, it's about marriage, but I think it goes farther, greater than the marriage relationship. God doesn't want you and I to be alone. I love what he says in the New Testament. He, in Christology, he goes, I'll give you the Holy Spirit. You'll never be alone. But he also gives us the church, gives us the bride of Christ. At the heart of loneliness is the desire to be connected. This morning, some of you are disconnected. You're disconnected from God, and that's my prayer today, that you'll connect with Jesus Christ. That's all I long for, connect for, with Jesus and then I ask that maybe you'll connect in community and, and say, God, I, I want to go more. I want to I be better because two are better than one. It's crazy not to have a relationships around you. It's crazy not to go deeper with a few or somebody in your life that they help you through tough times. There's rough terrains. There's holes. There's cracks. There's chaos. Do you all remember the commercial? I've fallen and I can't get up. I started to play it, but it was so cheesy. Jeff Bush would have never let me live it down, okay? I even watched it and I went, oh man, this is bad. But basically, it, it, Life Call popularized that phrase. You know, these medic alert that people wear. My, my mom that just died December 31st, she had one. Matter of fact, the very last act she did was she pressed her button and she had a massive and the Lord took her home. My mother in law that's in the hospital right now. We, we got her to get one. I said, we put it on her. So like, you know, we put it on her, you know. We, we had her get one. How many of you have family members that have one of these devices that alert you? Somebody? Young congregation I'm speaking to, are you? Okay. How many of you think you'll have one? You're, somebody you're thinking, where do you get those? I want one for my husband. Now, it'd be cool if you could, like, zap people with it, but that's not the goal. The whole goal is when you get in trouble, you want to be able to alert somebody. And I thought about the church of Jesus. When we're doing good, we want to alert people. We want to tell them. We want to share. I get to share so many good things with you as a church. It, it, it is incredible. I, I love that part, being a pastor. It's so fun. You also throw up on me. <laughs> Verbal vomit. You give me gross stuff. Some days I walk in, I feel like I've been drugged through a minefield. And I'm just like, nah, and then somebody else calls. And, and in the church, you know, there's life, and then there's death, and then there's sickness, and then there's healing, and then there's joy, and then there's engagement, and then there's fear. Uh, I didn't mean to say they were a contrast, okay? Okay, they're all in the same. But life is just full of all these things that happen, and, and yet, just write down Acts chapter 2. 
Read it sometime. And all who believed were together. They had things in common. They sold their possessions. They belonged and distributed the proceeds to any who had need. Chapter 2, 44, 45. Basically, the early church, they weren't alone. They were in community. People needed help. They got it. Life was tough. They went for it. Let's fill these in. First one here. Community helps when times get unbearable. When life gets unbearable, you need a community. You need a family. You need somebody to lean into. And life will get there. Life will just throw you curves. It'll get tough. You, you know, you got to throw your pack over your shoulder, and you got to go for it. you got to say, man, i got to get help. You know, I, I need help here. I need somebody to do life with me. You, you, you go to a football game, guys, and it's a cold, crisp, December Big wind, freezing. What do you do? Your wife or your girlfriend is sitting next to you. I mean, that is if you're not married. You don't have a girlfriend. Okay. But, but you're sitting there at the ball game. What do you do, guys? It's cold. Your wife's sitting there next to you. You're chilling to the bone. It's the third quarter. The game's tied. You're thinking, it's going in overtime. I'm freezing. What do you guys do? Ah, I know what you do. You reach over and you pull her in and you snuggle. And, you're, and she's like, oh, I like this. Let's go to more ball games. Okay. Because you want somebody. You need somebody close. You need somebody to help you. You know what I learned about death a long time ago? The greatest ministry that I know of, I, could sh I share God's word. I preach funerals. I know God's word from beginning to end. I love God's word. It's a treasure. It's the comfort. It's, it's, the thing, it's the honeycomb for my soul. There's nothing greater than God's word. I will. It is eternal. But let me tell you this. But along with that, there is nothing like the ministry of presence when you're walking through a hard time where somebody just comes in and all they do is they just put their arm around you. And they cry with you and they cry for you and they let you just cry on them. I think about the deaths that I've been through in my life. Sweet cards, people coming, meals, all that was greatly appreciated, wonderful. But there was nothing like the presence of another. So here it is. Community helps us when times get unbearable. The second thing is, the church is designed to be a family of connectedness and community. God wants us connected to him, but he also wants us in this Christian community. So the action point today would be, what conversation can you strike up with somebody else this week, this day possibly, that you could begin to do life and get together and have lunch or have breakfast or have a latte or pray together, share your life, talk about how to raise kids, how not to raise kids, I don't know. Share your fear, share your dreams, share your hope, share what Christ is doing. But life's tough. And if you don't have friends to encourage you, it's even tougher. Loneliness, this quote will come up from John Milton. Loneliness is the first thing which God's eye named not good. God just knew that this thing called life needed relationship. And it needed it with other people. Fifty times in Scripture we have the admonition to one another, greet one another, love one another, admonish one another, serve one another, encourage one another, the one another. You are the body of Christ. I am with you the body of Christ. We need one another. And the church said, yes! How many of you believe that today? Church, I don't believe you believe it, because if you do, we're going to blow it up here in a few weeks. And some of you are like, oh, I don't need anybody. You do. You need people. I'm screaming that because, man, I long for it for you. I long for it for my soul. I want more. It's not an option to have community or not. I mean, Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, he talks about community. And then they left the building because they ran off into community. 
they came to synagogue and they had worship and they had biblical community like we're doing here, but then they scattered and they were the church inside. The third thing, we were made in the image of a relational God. God said that living alone is not good. So God's into relationships. He's into you. He's into me. And he doesn't want me to be alone. He wants me to love other people. And the fourth one is community is God's answer to fatigue and fear. You're just tired. You just need somebody to walk with you. In the Greek, the words parakolite, to walk alongside. You need somebody to come up and just shoulder the load, carry the burden with you. And it makes all the difference. Have you ever noticed the burden's just not near as heavy when somebody does it with you? Matter of fact, there's even joy in it because there's somebody loving you. You know, I've had good friends like you over the years that have died that did life with me, and I miss them dearly. And I look forward to the eternal hope of Jesus in heaven with them one day. Then I think about the people I live with and how much fun it is to, to hang out with them. But then also there's fear. If you're a fearful, anxious person, I think community will help drive and dispel some of that from your life. You know who you are. Some, some of you fear just grips you and it's tough and you need others to work and witness with you. The example, the scripture right down Exodus chapter 17 verses 8 through 13. And the Moses needed two men because when he had his arms up, he won in battle. When they were down, he lost. And there were two men and their names were Aaron and Hur. And as long as they held up his arms, he was victorious. And the principle is the same for you and I today. When we have people to shoulder the load, to support us, to walk with us, to hold our arms up, we win. How many want to win today, church? How many want to win? Amen. You're like, you know, some of you are convinced. Some of you are like, man, some of you are tough. I don't know what it is, man. Lifting up your companion. Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. He meant that. If you follow someone to help you up, people working together can complete more. The fifth point is this. Community helps when times get dangerous. Sometimes life gets tough. Matter of fact, let's look here at it. In verse... Uh, Verse 12, because we've been talking about we fall alone, but verse 12 says, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Two can. You know, in the times that the scripture was written, there was no internet. There was no cell phone. There was no security cameras. They, people traveled alone, and they were at great jeopardy to lose their life, to be injured, to be robbed by bandits. It was, it was just tough. And the principle is still this. When, when we're alone, things just get tough. We need to make decisions. We, we need help. Matter of fact, this morning I met with a friend, and, and we started a conversation. We're going to finish it hopefully this week. And he said, I need counsel. I need help. Let me give you a scripture that could change your life. Proverbs 15, 22. Write it down. Proverbs 15, 22. This is uh, wisdom literature from Solomon the 15th chapter, he says, plans go wrong for a lack of advice, and many advisors bring success. And here's what I would submit this morning. When you have a major decision to make, you better get some godly counsel, and you better get a lot of it. Do you agree with me, church? Don't try to do this in a vacuum. God gave us the body. He gave us the church. He gave us Christian friends. He gave us pastors. He gave us counselors. He gave us community. And you'll make some decisions, and I hope you're not trying to do it in a vacuum. Uh, I'm hoping this next year we'll have another Financial Peace University. We used to run a lot of those around here. If anybody's certified in Financial Peace University, 
please come see me today and let me know or call me. Because I really think our, our body could benefit from that. Some people going through financial difficulties, they could learn. Yeah, basically, here's a principle. All, everybody needs a buddy, okay? Advantages of living a three-stranded life. Here in the last verse, he goes, three are even better for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. He's really just talking to us here about you're in trouble. You, you need to take a risk. It, it, it's, it's, it's a tough thing. And there's this, uh, there's this strand of, uh, of rope. And, and three, like one, you know, okay, it could be torn apart. Two is even better, but then three is not easily broken. And a lot of times, people would love to use this in the marriage, in the wedding ceremony, that there's a husband and wife, and there's Jesus, and, or there's, and there's a father, the son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, and you get all these great illustrations. But here, he's just saying, hey, I don't want you to do this alone. There's strength in numbers. There's help. This rope is, is a versatile tool. It's, 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 it's strong. It's thicker when it's bound together. And we're the same way in relationships. When we are bonded with other like-minded believers we're not easily torn apart, you know, though him, blessed be the tie that binds. It really does bind. We, we use it to go forward. Randy Frazee says, the experience of authentic community is one of the purposes God intends to be fulfilled by the church. God intends for the church not to be alone, but he intends for Christ to be the center of the church and Christ to be the center of our life and for God to strengthen us, to empower us, and God expects you and me to support one another through the storms of life. And I promise you one thing, storms are going to come to your life. It's just the way it is. I pray you have some friends. I pray you have some garden friends that will stand with you and not go to sleep. And they'll help you and they'll support you. And Because and God created this hunger for relationship. And I, I think how beautiful it is. But here's this little... Um, metaphor here about three is not easily broken it's just a, a pithy way to express truth to to bring this proverb that we can't easily be unraveled when we're in a court of three uh, we do a thing here with men called triads where men meet in groups of three for the purpose of accountability and spiritual growth and development and it's so important um, let me give you some things that says number one advantages of living a three-stranded life it's a more productive life you have a lot more productivity in your life and creativity when you live together with others you get dirty with them you, you you serve together you go out you do the mission of christ so you have somebody to speak spiritual truth secondly it's a life that recovers i think quickly from failure we all fail and when you're doing life with other people and there's a strong strand you can overcome the 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 obstacles of the past you can overcome the failure in your heart. The third, a life that doesn't grow spiritually cold. See, sometimes we get separated and we, we remove ourselves. We, like with the church of Laodicea, we become lukewarm in our faith. And we need somebody to stoke us and spur us on to Christ's likeness. We need somebody to push us toward the cross. We need somebody to, to bring us to the presence of Jesus. I've learned this. Sometimes we get so messed up, we just need somebody to pray for us. We just need somebody to hold us. We need somebody just to direct us. We just need somebody to listen to us. Do I have anybody hearing what I'm saying today? This is the hope of the gospel. I mean, if you want the true gospel, I'm giving it to you today. This, this is what it means to be a Christ follower. The fourth, a life that experiences victory in spiritual battles. This is a battle. This battle is the Lord's. But if you want victory, you need to do it in community. So God, help us to see that. And then look at six. When we're together, our prayers are more powerful. I love that. 
Scripture says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And this next thing, I want to show it to you. I'm so excited about it. Give me the next slide here. Well, that, that's a great verse, Matthew 18, 19. I quoted it. The next one, I'm sorry. Here it is. This right here, I, I'm so thrilled about this. We, we do prayer focuses, women's prayer group, men's prayer group, every Monday morning, 7 o'clock. Guys, we're starting a corporate prayer meeting. We used to have those in the early years here at Christ Community. And the, first, the second Tuesday of the month at 6.30, write it down, August 12th, 6.30, we're having a corporate prayer meeting in this room, and we're just going to get desperate for God, and we're going to pray no longer than an hour. We're just going to come together. We're going to seek God. We're going to seek his face. We're going to believe for one another. How many of you believe that's the kind of church you want to be a part of? That's a New Testament church right here, guys. I hate to tell you, most churches will not do this, and I know why. It's work. And let me say this from Jim Simbla. If you want to know how popular Jesus is, go to a prayer meeting. It'll show you. Sunday mornings will just show you how popular the worshiper, the senior pastor, or somebody else is about giving God's word. That's all that does. I mean, there's other great value to it. But a prayer meeting will show you the depth and the love of the Savior. Because I don't know about you, church. I'm believing God for much more than we're experiencing. And all I know is to do it on my knees, but also do it in community. And the church said, I'll be there. August 12th. See, we've been doing all these morning and everything. Everybody, I can't come, Pastor. I'm eating Cheerios. I'm eating champ wheat champions. I'm eating Twinkies, and you know, I'm chasing a dog. And I gotta go to work. And I gotta take the kids to school. And some of those excuses are great, and I totally understand. And some of them are just lame. Can I just be so honest? But here's here's a, a meeting, just to pray. You're saying, "Wow, the church should be doing that. It should." Forgive me for not leading you in prayer in this sense. We're going to do it, so I hope you'll do it. So a Tuesday night prayer meeting, and look at seven. When God's community, uh, when we are God's community, we're just better. We're just better together. I don't know about you, I'm better when I'm with other people. The church is better when we decide not to do it alone, but we do it in the togetherness of Christ. Christ didn't call us to be long rangers. He called us to be a body. And um, so this morning, I'm just wondering if you're overwhelmed, if you're heartached, if you're broken. If you need encouragement, get in community. And you're saying, no, pastor, I'm doing really good. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, then come to our meeting. We need you. We need each other. So this morning, I just, I'm so excited. I could preach for another hour, and I'm not. I'm going to try to honor the team because we're going to do a great song here in a minute of worship. We're going to close out, and we're going to go fight the rain and just thank God for the rain. I'm thanking God for the rain. How about you? We need it, yeah. But I just pray that you'll say, I want to be a part of community. Ecclesiastes says, hey, don't be all alone. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. That's verse 9. I would just highlight verse 9. I'd meditate on it. I'd glue it to your eyeballs, put it on an index card. I don't know, do something with it. But focus on eternity. Focus on Jesus. Team, come. Chris, come to the piano. We're going to sing a, a closing song. Chris is going to do this song. He's done it before. It's called Jesus at the Center. It's a powerful song. During that time, this altar is open. I, I invite you to take your spouse and come to the altar. and say, you know what? Let's put God right there in the center. Let's be that three-strand. Maybe bring a friend. And you go to the side crosses. If you don't want to pray down front, you can come down here. But I think God wants to do something this morning. I just want Jesus to be the center.
of my life, of your life, of his church. He's the famous one. His name is Jesus. He's a redeemer. Is he your redeemer? Lord, draw us now. Draw us to your throne. God, fill this altar up today with people that are hungry for you. Slow us down. Minister through Chris now, in Jesus' name. Amen.